We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, here we are. It's Monday. Uh, a little bit different uh, feeling Monday than a week ago today, even though a week ago today was my birthday. So, like, for that reason, like, maybe I was at least... No pork tenderloin for you today. That's right. No pork tenderloin today. I had the pork tenderloin last week for my birthday meal. That is, uh, that, that's become, you know, in, uh, in older man land, that's become like a once or twice a year delicacy <laughs> <laughs> at this end. Jesse coming to us from uh, the House of Horrors, Columbus, Ohio. How are things there? Uh, busy day in Columbus, Ohio for me. Um, I was going, I went, I did five site visits today um, and then made a loop, uh, did some stormwater inspection. I know real exciting stuff for a lot of people. Um, and then came up to my buddy's place, got a quick uh, pump in at the gym and uh, yeah gonna crush this podcast and watch the cowboys game after this all right you had to bring that up the fact that we've got to stay up late once again tonight hopefully this one better than last week's cowboys primetime game it is the chargers today I keep cowboys talking minimum we're gonna get in here we're gonna talk about the thing that people came to talk about and that is that is notre dame and i mean Again, much different feeling. Came away impressed. Things escalated quickly and and never let up. And I mean, you know, Jesse, football is a weekly sport. And, you know, we re- react, we overreact game by game, week to week. Every football game is basically its own chapter in the book of a season, whatever season that you happen to be in. And the last three chapters <laughs> before Saturday's game against USC, they told a completely different story than what we saw in the first four chapters of this season prior to that. And I said last week that Notre Dame let the ending of the Ohio State game affect the next two games against Duke and Louisville. They dodged a bullet when they had a miraculous ending against Duke. Otherwise, there was a really good chance, really stark chance that they were going to be looking at a three game losing streak. If they don't come from behind and rally against Duke, Um, we saw a team that just came apart at the seams against Louisville. 
and everyone's rightfully questioning Marcus Freeman's ability to do the job with just how unorganized and chaotic that look and all the penalties and the fact that they couldn't run the football. They could do nothing offensively. But then here comes Saturday night, and Marcus Freeman waves his magic wand, and yet again, Notre Dame responds. Just when you think you're out, he just pulls you right back in. And, you know, was it a perfect game from an offensive standpoint? No, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But they came out with some fire. They came out with emotion. I think it helped them that they got a spark right away on the very first series from Xavier Watts, and they were able to turn that into points. But they outplayed the number one scoring offense in the nation from start to finish. They outplayed a defense that was one of the top three in both sacks and tackles for loss from start to finish. And just afterwards... Marcus Freeman had addressed the media post-game press conference after the game. Sam Hartman steps up to the podium. And, you know, the room that the press conference is in, it sits right by the North Tunnel where the players come in and out, you know, for where the locker room is, that that tunnel yep. right there. And obviously fans storm the, fan, you know, the, the, the field afterwards. You've probably seen the video that we're not allowed to show, you know, from social media of Marcus Freeman high-fiving with the fans and all that different stuff. So as Freeman is leaving, Sam Hartman steps to the podium. And Hartman is in the middle of a response to a question as Marcus Freeman opens up the door right beside that tunnel where everything is just crazy and fired up and fans are going wild. And so here's... Here's just a little taste of that, what you hear from Sam Hartman here. Our, you know, reflection of our head coach, and um, it, it's been a bumpy season. Um, you know, you, you start hot, and you, know, you lose a close one in Ohio State, and you uh, too, you know? <laughs> You could barely hear, as you heard that We Love Marcus chant going up as Marcus Freeman opens the door. You could barely kind of hear Sam Hartman go, yeah, me too. And I think that as, as, as much as the volumes speak about what the crowd and the, you know, whether they were students or whoever they happened to be said that about Marcus Freeman, hearing Sam Hartman, you know, kind of stop his answer and say that himself says a lot as well. So I, so I ask you, Jess, how much did Marcus Freeman need this? Is he redeemed after that win over USC? I think Marcus Freeman desperately needed this. And I think on the countdown to kickoff show last week, I, I said it when you, Vince, and I were talking to each other. This was a, a, a huge game, not only for Marcus Freeman, but I think for the program um, and Marcus Freeman's kind of outlook going forward. And the reason why I think it's so um, impactful is you're on the, you know, it's, you're at home against your biggest rival in the last, you know, probably in, in the entire program history, right? It, it, USC is up there as Notre Dame's biggest rival. You're coming off an embarrassing loss on the road. Obviously, everyone knows what happened uh, against Duke and Ohio State. And if you're Marcus Freeman, there's no excuses of the schedule was tough or we haven't had a bye week. It's, you know, he, he, he had to focus on winning the game this week. Um, and that's exactly what he did. And I think if he didn't come out and have the sort of you know, performance that he did with his back against the wall, there would have been even more questions coming down on Marcus Truman. And if we thought last week was kind of, you know, a, a bad taste in everyone's mouth and everyone's starting to question Jared Parker, Marcus Freeman, you know, et cetera, I can only imagine 
what this week would have looked like. And again, when, when Notre Dame had had expectations of potentially being an 11 and one team, 12 and 0 team, and you have two losses and the best you can be is 10 and two, uh, a loss to USC immediately would have knocked you down to at best nine and three. And I know that wouldn't have sat well with a lot of people. So I thought Marcus Streeman's back was against the wall um, and he showed up exactly when he needed to. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The fall season is incredibly busy for me, which makes it hard to spend the time needed to make healthy meals and live a healthy life. If you have the same problem, you'll want to try Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I've had Factor Meals, and I'm going to continue buying from them, especially with a special discount for Irish Breakdown listeners. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. You can choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never frozen meals to promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's irish50 at factormeals.com slash irish50 to get 50% off. I've tried it. I'm sticking with them. You should try too. Exactly. And it's just been this constant roller coaster over his, you know, he hasn't even coached two full seasons yet, but it has been this roller coaster. You know, again, it's like he thinks you think maybe it's it's going down the drain, and then you know the the plug gets stopped up, and here comes Marcus Freeman. You know, again, he just he he finds a way to push these guys' buttons and get them going. And I and I think that when you've got a high profile guy like Sam Hartman, and you know, like. As Marcus Freeman stepped off the podium, Sam Hartman standing off to the side over there sitting between Jack Swarbrick and Father Jenkins, and he gets up and you know, they give each other a, a big hug. And you hear Sam Hartman talk, basically talking about what he thinks of Marcus Freeman. And you know, you kind of started to hear the team is a reflection of Marcus Freeman. Now, there are a couple of different sides to that. One 
A team is a reflection of Marcus Freeman, and it's a team that has responded with its backs against the wall. The other side of that is your backs don't always have to be against the wall if you take care of your business week in and week out. But at the same time, this team is still playing for him. And you heard other guys step up to the podium after that. The team continues to play for him. And I think that that is important at a time like this. And so whether or not it is a complete redemption, I don't know. But at the same time, they got what is going to be, no matter what happens the rest of the way, this is going to be the biggest win of the season. And you could argue like this or Clemson last year. I've seen people compare this to Clemson. Like this reminds them of last year's Clemson. To an extent, it was because neither in, in, in neither case did the team get a great offensive performance. But at the same time, they got a great defensive performance and I said at some point last week they were going to need at least a couple of plays between the offense or between the defense rather and the special teams for them to have a chance to win this game and they obviously got more than that yeah obviously the offense didn't do um, enough to make us feel better you know or, or the concerns that we've had the last three weeks I would say now but the most important thing is Marcus Freeman was able to coach a team to be great in all three phases right um, and the defense, uh, the defense was beyond great. The special teams was great. And then the offense was just about average. But, you know, in, in a game of football, it's obviously you don't want to see your offense struggling a bit. But if you can be great in defense and great in special teams, I, I, I will take that. Right. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and complain about a dominant, you know, win in, in two of the three phases and enough in the other phase to get the job done. I'm simply not going to do it. And I'm going to move on to the next week and hope that this bye week helps Notre Dame out offensively to reset and maybe work on a couple things, or maybe, you know, that things that they've noticed on film that now that Jared Parker has more time um, to sit back and look at things. And, and, you know, I left this out when talking about Marcus Freeman a little bit ago, I think the most impressive trait of Marcus Freeman is when the pressure is at the highest and, and his back is up against the wall. That's when this team performs the best. Yeah. And that's something that I feel really great about because he's going to show up in those big, big pressure, high leverage situations. He just needs to figure out the in-between at this point, right? And that's it because, I mean, with the exception of the last four and a half minutes, the team played well. It played good enough to beat Ohio State and should have beaten Ohio State if they finished that game better. And as I've said, they let the ending of that game affect the next two games, unfortunately. And what happens then, the way the next two games played out, his back ends up against the wall, just like it was after Marshall last year, and just like it was after Stanford last year. Have to figure out a way. You, you don't want all these crazy peaks and valleys. You don't want to be forced into these situations all the right. time. It can't you be a roller coaster. Way. That's right. You got to figure out a way, whether it's just the fact that you're not getting up enough, you're not focused enough, whatever it happens to be, because he keeps hammering home, win the interval, win the interval. I don't know how many times we heard that in the postgame the other night and how many times we've heard it over the course of the season when the interval is his thing and they lost some intervals obviously along the way you don't want to have to be pushed into these situations all the time and that's unfortunately you know that's that's the downside of it it's it's great that they won Saturday night and it's great that they won by a lopsided score like that give my guy Sean Davis credit he said USC wasn't getting to 30 they didn't get to 30 I yeah, I thought even if the Notre Dame defense did a good 
job against Caleb Williams that they were probably still getting to somewhere around 30. We'll get to the defense here in just a second. But, man, I mean, they didn't, and and give them credit for that. A few different comments. Salty says, I don't know about redemption, but it confirms he learns quickly. He can win the biggest games, and his recruiting classes really do have dudes that can play now. And, again, like that's that's part of why – and again, this is something that we talked about last week. That's part of why you still sort of have to be willing to work through some of these early rough patches with a young, inexperienced head I mean, coach. Yeah, this is a, a coach in his second year. That's right. At some point, the the match of experience and the talent that he's bringing in, you're only going to get the experience, obviously, as a head coach by the reps. Make you know, forced to make those decisions on the sideline, and it's. You hope that within these next couple of years, that's all going to match up, and that that helps kind of even out some of these rough patches, I think. Interesting. Uh, Saban was on the Pat McAfee show saying, we just need to reach our potential. Same messaging as Freeman. I think he is learning, but on track. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've heard from uh, from Freeman as well. Reach our potential. Reach our potential. Those kind of things. And I think that's the most frustrating part to Marcus Freeman, and you can tell – you know, on the sidelines and he brought it up a little bit of post game. Uh, and he, and again, he, he wasn't saying I'm not trying to take away, you know, from these moments, but the, as the coach in me, we're not a hundred percent, you know, living up to our potential when Jalen Sneed roughs a punter or Xavier Watts doesn't run through the goal line after a big play that he scoops and scores on. That's, yeah. that's, I think what, what I think, you know, people like Nick Saban, Marcus Freeman, like they, they, they so much see those like coaching moments uh, even in some of those greater moments, I guess. And I, I don't know, it's it's reassuring to see because, you're, like he said, it's one play, one interval, and he's trying to get the most out of them in those one play and one intervals. Andrew says, definitely redemption for Freeman. He took a beating in the press over the prior three weeks. Ten-man situation against Ohio State. Pundit saying Elko's a better coach. Pundit saying Brom is better. He outcoached Lincoln Riley. Can't knock Riley's defenses, but no one shut down his offense like that. I mean, I do think, you know, Lincoln Riley is the head coach slash offensive coordinator. And I don't, yeah. you know, Marcus Freeman's name is 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 at the top of the billboard, you know, on on the on the movie marquee out there. But you do have to give Al Golden some credit for the game plan that he put together as well on the defensive side of the ball, especially since since uh, Al Golden is is one of everyone has been one of everyone's favorite whipping boys. Over the last season. Man, I've, I've been trying to preach this entire season how good this defense really is. Um, and, and they showed up in the biggest way. Um, you know, d- the defense, the defense's output ultimately led to the offensive success and the, you know, the overall team success. I don't think that you can, like, the game would have been vastly different had Caleb Williams not thrown a couple of those early interceptions. It would have been way tighter and the game would have been one possession down towards the end. And the entire time, I just kept thinking to myself, please don't make this a one-possession game where Caleb Williams, the best player in the country, is leading that offense down the field. Because you're probably going to lose if you're a betting person in that scenario. And see, that's you know that's in the back of my mind, especially when the night before this game, Deion Sanders had a 29-point, you know, 29-to-nothing right. <laughs> lead. And I was sitting there saying this defense. I said, we've got last night as an example. <laughs> we just saw a team blow a massive lead last night 29 and up in Colorado at halftime and that's Caleb Williams on the other side and when USC gets that big return 
on the punt return and then they end up scoring a touchdown it's like whoa okay now the game is the game is maybe teetering a little bit but then what happens biggest special teams play of the year for the fighting Irish. Well, just after they give up a big special teams play and look that that kid was legit you know and like i know they were talking about in the broad, broadcast zechariah Brent, that kid was legit a you could just see it in his movements he explodes yeah. out of every cut that he takes and it was crazy because he he was so you know game time decision game time decision then the last thing i saw is he wasn't going to play and then he's out there for you know opening kickoff and and punt return i was like oh I guess this guy is playing and, you know, you brought it up how they responded. Notre Dame responded with uh, the kick return touchdown after the big, you know, punt return that set up a touchdown for, for USC. The biggest thing and the best thing I thought Notre Dame did in this entire game, and you can go back and look at it in the, in the game cast off of every turnover Notre Dame scored. Notre Dame also scored after every time USC scored. So they responded with points every single time and they capitalize off of turnovers every single time. And that's that. what more can you ask for, essentially? I, because that's taking a punch and responding with a punch right after. I wonder how much they, and they put that, the three deep return men, they they put that in there because of, you know, the, the rain in the forecast, and it, it rained all day. It stopped a few hours, you know, a couple hours before the game, and really it wasn't raining at night, but they put that in there because they thought maybe there were going to be balls skittering around on the wet turf and stuff like that out there. I wonder how much that played into, no, not only what they got from Jadari and Price on that return, but as Brian NY pointed out, you know, Devin Ford was close once or twice as well. Just like how much that kind of changed, how much that changed the assignments of the coverage team for USC and sort of what that did, you know, that might be, Worth uh, worth considering just keeping that in there going forward if it's going to look like that, you know. <laughs> with everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. What else? There were a couple other comments that I wanted to hit in here. You know, Jeff makes a great point. Freeman needs to bottle whatever he has going after they've reached critical mass and about to go off the deep end and use it in a game like Louisville, you know, when they still had a playoff shot. I don't disagree. You know, there's, that's, that's the adjustment now. And I've seen people say, you know, like he has figured out how to adjust. And as you said, he's figured out how to adjust when his back's to the wall. Jess, but you've just now got to figure out 
how to get this thing going. You have that mentality basis. every week. Right. I mean, you know what it's like when you, you know, like when you were playing in high school, for example, you, you, whether it was football or baseball that you played, when you're going to play Penn, everyone gets up for Penn because Penn is great and everyone wants to beat Penn and it's easy to get fired up for Penn or, you know, whoever it happens to be. Just like all these other teams get up for Notre Dame and Notre Dame is going to get up for the big teams on the schedule. It's it's tough sometimes to get your emotional level at that same peak point for some of these other opponents. I don't know how much that played into it against Louisville, but they obviously were not a mentally locked in focused team when they played Louisville a week prior. Yeah. And that's, that's the tough part subconsciously is like you, the, the amount of adrenaline and butterflies that you have for the Ohio state game is you're, you're just not going to find something to match that or exceed that in the Louisville game. And that's what you have to do as a head coach is find a way to bridge that gap between those emotions of one game and, you know, the emotions of the next game, because probably how you were feeling against Ohio state is exactly how Louisville feels like when Notre Dame comes to town. So how yeah. do you find a way as coaches to bridge that gap? And I thought in Marcus Freeman's post game press conference, he said, you know, elite competitors show up no matter the occasion. Right. And that's, that's the challenge for Marcus Freeman and his teams going forward is if they want to be elite competitors and they want to be elite on the national stage and be, you know, in these national championship considerations and, and playoffs and stuff. And I know it will be easier next year, but then the step next year will be how far down can you go? You know, exactly. And right. so that's what Marcus Freeman has to figure out as, as a coach and his coaching staff is, you know, you know, subconsciously your players are going to let down just because not every game is Ohio state or USC, but what are you doing that week to prepare them knowing that that's the case? I saw somebody brought up Charlie Weiss and the fact that, that Weiss didn't have co- head coaching experience before he got the job Two, well, I mean, there, there are a handful of differences between them. One, Charlie obviously didn't even play in college. He was just a really smart guy who ended up, you know, in the Parcells Belichick tree and, you know, was a really smart guy who, knew football because he was he was around it he started off in one of those positions like I was talking about last week crunching film and all that kind of stuff and you know had a really really good brain for the whole thing but he didn't play college football two he had obviously not coached in college football before he came back to Notre Dame to become head coach so even though Marcus Freeman was not a head coach obviously before he got the head coaching job at Notre Dame he was in college programs and good programs. Like he was around Luke Fickle and saw like Luke Fickle, fairly similar to Brian Kelly, good program builder. And so he, you know, he was around that at Cincinnati for a while, came to Notre Dame for a year. Again, say what you want about Brian Kelly, but Brian Kelly, good program. He builds a program. Guys who, guys who have good structure to their programs, developmental programs. And that's, that's the biggest thing that Marcus Freeman has that Charlie Weiss didn't, I think, is the fact that he knows what needs to be done to build and keep the foundation of a good college football program. Because he at least had been around and recruited in college football before becoming a head coach. Now, neither one of them, the similarity is neither one of them had head coaching experience, but Marcus Freeman had a much much greater base 
of what it takes to coach in college prior to that. And two, while Charlie was good at ultimately recruiting the offensive side of the ball, (laughs) not so much on the defensive side of the ball. And we've seen really good balance on both sides of the ball from Marcus Freeman in his recruiting efforts. Since yeah, I mean, Charlie, Charlie Weiss ran the program like an offensive combine, in, in my opinion. You know, yeah. he wanted to bring in offensive talent. He wanted to showcase his offensive mind and the offensive talent that he recruited, and he wanted it to be a springboard uh, to the NFL, right? Like that, I think that was his – and then, I, like you said, he didn't really focus on, you know, what it means to be a program molding a solid program considering the defensive side of the ball, considering the special team side of the ball, and just the day-to-day task well, of running a program. Building building depth and getting guys ready because 2007 happened. Three wins, you know, after 2006 when Brady Quinn and Samarja and Zibikow, when all those guys are gone, the next batch of guys were not ready to go. And you had a, you know, a young, talented Jimmy Clausen, but y- – like Marcus Freeman, you know, we hear about all this different cross training and and getting the twos the reps and even the threes the reps. Sometimes we've seen and heard a lot more about continuing to build that depth in the roster and get guys ready to go from from Marcus Freeman. Again, even though he did, didn't have the experience as a head coach, he was around good enough programs at Cincinnati and here at Notre Dame that he knows that that's something that is very important, that you've got to be building that depth along the way. And you can't just take for granted the twos and think that they're going to be ready to go just because maybe they know the playbook a little bit, you know, at least to some extent, once the number ones are gone in a year, you've got to keep building that up. And that's something that Marcus Freeman does a really good job of, because again, he's been around college football and, uh, and knows what he's doing. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. You want to do that? I mean, because I mean, to me, that's ultimately why they won this game. And we know, you know what, what they did against Caleb Williams out there. Here's, here's Marcus Freeman. Oops. Hit the wrong button. Here's Marcus Freeman on the subject of defending Caleb Williams. You know, if there's a perfect answer to stopping Caleb Williams, he is, I mean, he is one of the best college football players that I've ever seen. And all I kept telling our guys is we have a plan, right? And on this play, you have to attack. You cannot play passive. You cannot play a three-man rush and let him go out there and be the Heisman Trophy winner that he is. You have to attack. And no matter what happened the last play, there was plenty of plays that he continued to extend plays with his legs. But on that play, I think our guys continued to battle. And in, it, in the secondary, you know, we were able to capitalize off of, I'm sure he would call mistakes. He didn't want to throw the ball to our, our, our defenders. But we were to capitalize off them, right? Instead of just having PBUs or instead of almost, our guys turned those into to takeaways, which were huge for our entire team. Williams goes 23 of 37, 199 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, sacked six times, the 199 yards, third lowest passing total of his career at USC. Had some worse numbers his freshman season at Oklahoma, but um, 180 against Oregon State last year, the worst that uh, worst number of his career, just the third time he hasn't got to at least 200 yards since he's been at USC. And you heard Marcus Freeman say, you know, that what they were able to do to him. And it was, uh, it wasn't just that he threw the ball to, to 
to Notre Dame's secondary and obviously predominantly Xavier Watts, but it was that that front forced him to throw that ball. What did we say last week, Jesse? Make Caleb Williams have to get rid of it before he wanted to get rid of it. And that's yeah. that's when the interceptions came. That's exactly – so, you know, I, I hate to toot my horn, but I, I occasionally <laughs> like to do so. But that was the emphasis of our Thursday whiteboard last week when talking about Caleb Williams. You know, I came on here and I said, "There's when you watch film of Caleb Williams, he's going to do what he's going to do, right? And the only way to really beat him is not focus on Caleb Williams himself, right? And, and And when he starts running around having to, you know, bring him down and missing tackles and then him making plays downfield – what you have to do is you have to get in his face now and you have to get the ball out immediately, right? It, like make him get off his timing and his schedule. And that's exactly what we saw. Notre Dame threw a multitude of different, you know, defensive stunts at him. They threw a, a, a multitude of, you know, different coverages at him, you know, disguising this and that pre-snap and same thing with the stunts. And it just confused him all night. And, you know, there's a lot of criticism of Collinsworth and Garrett rightfully so, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But, you know, they, they brought up, up a good fire. point of Al Golden's <laughs> past of being with the Bengals and having to play the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes plays so similar to Caleb Williams. And what you have to do against a Patrick Mahomes or Caleb Williams is you take the deep ball downfield away, you make him, you know, be patient and take the underneath stuff. And that's where Caleb Williams threw his interceptions is nothing was open downfield. He was getting a lot of pressure in his face. And so he he was forcing balls, and he threw he threw interceptions as a result of that. So right. Caleb Williams fell exactly, you know, into Al Golden's defensive game plan, and it, it's ultimately you know what what caused his demise. And Marcus Freeman also talked about in his post game press conference the emphasis of rolling guys out there, meaning fresh bodies constantly, because you can't have tired bodies, you know, rushing Caleb Williams. Knowing how about Bubacore Trey out? With a little play out there. Off I the had edge. no idea who that was. <laughs> a little freshman jumping in out there and getting in on the action. That was exciting to see Bobacar out there. Making you knew he was a freshman because he was wearing like one of the ugliest numbers as a defensive end. I think he's like number 51 or something like that. 52. But I, I like I immediately had to Google the roster because I was like, who, who is this guy? You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was I've seen some different comments kind of rolling through here. You know, like Anthony said, his three interceptions were all off poor release points. Yes, poor release points forced by the pressure that he was getting. You know, oh, yeah, he's rolling one, out Javante this way. John Baptiste, he had the tight way. end sitting there wide open, and Xavier Watts is just sitting there behind him, you know, boom, right in the old bread basket. And everything was just – he was getting chased. He was getting, he was getting forced out of the pocket. And again, he wasn't able to extend plays. And I love the fact that, that uh, like they said, they couldn't just rush three guys. They had to bring more heat on him than what they brought last year. And they get out of the pocket a couple times, sure. But that's what's going to happen when you've got a guy like Caleb Williams. And to your point about his throws, man, like there were a couple throws that he made where, you know, what, like with, the, with those different arm angles, that he's got, and literally, he threw one that I think ended up being the last touchdown pass. Sidearm, like underneath the defender. But I thought it was like, like the way the way that he threw it, <laughs> I thought it was up in the stands someplace, and it's in the arms of a receiver. You know, because again, just these, yeah, like the sidearm and the in the three quarter slot, just all over the place. He just such a great, such a great athlete. The way he's able to do it, but again, Notre Dame, like, would you say? 
that that was the best performance that we have seen from their defensive line this season? Oh, 100%. Uh, just in terms of the containment of Caleb Williams. And the thing was is not only – like when Caleb Williams was pressured, Notre Dame was pressuring him in a way to for him to step up. And even when he was stepping up, there was another Notre Dame guy right there in his lap. So even if a guy came outside and Caleb Williams had to step up through the middle, there was a guy waiting for him in the middle. And then if Notre Dame brought pressure through the middle and, you know, Caleb Williams had to flush to the outside, it, it was, you know, there was someone there too. And a lot of times when a quarterback is rolling out, and this is what I was taught in college, one of those linebackers has to engage immediately. And that's what you saw from Maris Leofal. That's what you saw from Bertrand is you just attack immediately, right? Because if you attack that quarterback as he's rolling out, again, you're forcing him to make some sort of decision, d- decision and not allowing things um, to de- develop downfield. And speaking of J.D. Bertrand, I mean, can we give the man credit that everyone likes to criticize on that fourth down, just blowing up the point of contact and tackling two guys at once? I mean, we talk about the interception. That's a huge momentum shift, shift in the game, shutting them down. Um, on fourth down. And that brings me up to my last point about USC. I was ultimately surprised by the amount of times they wanted to run the ball. And I was thankful for every down that they ran the ball because I thought <laughs> as long as Caleb Williams doesn't have the ball in his hands, yeah. I, I don't have to sit here and hold my breath, right? And so not only did the defense step up to the occasion of, you know, stopping Caleb Williams, well, they forced USC to run because nothing else was open. That took time off the clock, and they shut down the run game. Last year, USC was able to run all over Notre Dame because of the three-man front. So not only did Notre Dame create pressure with four or five guys, but they also were able to to limit their run game, and nothing was open for USC. It it allowed for nothing in their offense uh, to open up. I was counting something here. 11 tackles for loss that Notre Dame had, and 12 different players – contributed to those 11 tackles for loss. So it was really spread across the board. And I think that it started, even though you had guys in the secondary and linebackers and stuff like that who were part of it as well, I just think that it starts with what they got from the defensive line because we've talked about this before, and Marcus Freeman said it, you can't just sit there and play prevent defense and let Caleb Williams pick you apart because you're not getting any pressure. You can't hope something bad isn't going to happen. You have to force something to happen. And I think that it started with the havoc that the defensive line was was bringing on Caleb Williams. And, you know, their, their right guard got beat by a lot of different guys, starting with Javante Jean-Baptiste with that pressure on the first Watts interception. But I think that once the defensive, when the, the defensive line kind of bringing that heat helped some of those other guys get in on the act as well because they, they just USC's offensive line had no idea, you know, where, where to turn half the time. There was just heat coming from all different directions. And Caleb Williams, we've not seen Caleb Williams look this confused. I don't think ever before, even, even in their losses to Utah last year, I don't think we've seen him confused like that. I think it was well, they had offensive success in those losses. Yeah. I he looked utterly hard. bad in this game. Yes. And it's, it brings up an interesting point to me. And I was talking to you about this when you were driving uh, to, to the game on Saturday. Well, two things. I told you I had a good feeling Notre Dame was going to win by 14, but we'll leave that one out. I said at least 14. But I also told you that a lot of execs and NFL players were at this game, right? And so what takeaway do they, do, do they come out of this 
knowing that this is the best defense Caleb Williams has played, and it's it's coached by a defensive coordinator that has experience in the NFL. Do you think that this makes them, you know, feel a little bit less about Caleb Williams because he went against a true defense and he and he was really, you know, proved that he struggled a lot, right? And so does that hurt his stock in some way? I, I think is another thing that kind of comes out of this. I think you're right about that. One, um, Caleb Williams repeating as Heisman Trophy winner is over. I haven't seen what Vegas thinks, but I'd put probably Michael Penix at the top of the list right now, even though Penix isn't nearly as big a name uh, with, with what Washington did against Oregon and the fact that they're on the rise right now. I just, I don't think that, that Caleb Williams has a chance at, at repeating. I think it was going to be tough for him anyway, but I think this just kind of seals it. But I do also think, I feel like we've got to give, uh, you know, Xavier Watts his due because we really haven't talked a whole lot about him for the night that he had. I mean, the 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 two interceptions, and again, you know, the the front helped forced helped force a lot of that. He gets denied the end zone a couple of times. The offense turns it into points, and then Cam Hart strips that ball, and he wasn't going to be denied the last time. He scores on the scoop and score. And then he forces a fumble right after that as well. It's been a while since we've seen, really, maybe Benjamin Moore, you know, again, like the comparisons to Clemson last year, maybe since Benjamin Morrison had the game that he had against Clemson, since we've seen a Notre Dame defensive player have a night like Xavier Watts had out there Saturday. Yeah, Xavier Watts uh, was able to play out of his mind. And I can't remember the last time I've seen such a great individual defensive performance on behalf of Notre Dame like I I truly can't because like even one interception against Caleb Williams is game-changing enough but then you like Xavier and not only like the plays that you mentioned but Xavier Watts was on the perimeter tackling he was blowing up screens he was hitting guys hard he just looked like a dude who was just around every play right and so like that's a guy who you know is focused because even when he wasn't making like the play he was still around every single play, it seemed like, right? And so the interceptions, to me, the most impressive one was the was the fumble that he punched out at the end because not only, uh, you know, it, the, the game was over at that point, right? He already had the two interceptions. He already had the scoop and score touchdown. But that competitiveness in him, that, you know, wanting to put the, the, the dagger into USC and he's still, you know, punching out a ball in a scrum, I just think that shows how locked in he was the entire game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Completely locked in, and uh, they needed every bit of it. And kind of like Marcus Freeman said, they weren't just pass breakups, you know, in and out of the hands and all that kind of stuff. He made sure that he that he held on, and, and he was doing what he needed to do. Um, by the way, quick on, on Caleb Williams. He threw an interception on his second attempt – of the game. Remember he con- they had just converted on third and nine. And it's like, oh, are you kidding me? You know, third and nine, you can't get off the field. And then boom, a couple plays later, interception. So he threw his first pick on his second attempt, three interceptions in 22 attempts in the first half. He came into the game with just 10 career interceptions in 877 attempts. This is only Caleb Williams' second multi-interception game in his career. So he came in one interception every 87.7 attempts in the first half. He threw one interception every seven 
attempts. Just amazing what the Notre Dame defense did to him. And the fact that Xavier Watts got two of them, I think even more amazing. Yeah, I just think at that point you realize that it wasn't a coincidence and it was Notre Dame's game plan and Caleb Williams just continuously falling into, you know, what they had set up for him the entire game. And then this, I, I just think by the time the second half came around, not that it was too late for USC, but with the way Notre Dame was playing defense, they just weren't going to give up those big explosion plays, right? And so I just felt like if Notre Dame grabbed two more touchdowns in the second half, they would have a very solid chance of winning with the lead they had. Um, and it just turned into more, you know, good defense. I didn't expect Notre Dame's defense to continuously just shut him down the entire game. And that's what they did. Literally yeah. every quarter they shut him down. And obviously that's what won him the game. It reminds me so much of that Clemson game, uh, it, to be honest with you. But you just can't expect your defense to perform like that every single game. But it's nice when they show up in the big games like this and make everyone else's job just a little bit easier. By the way, happy birthday, Tommy Guns. He turned the big 3-5 on Saturday. Good uh, good birthday celebration. couple other people I know born on October 14th. One a lot I of like. early October birthdays. One I like, one not so much. Funny that they share the same birthday. Salty was saying earlier, the photo of Freeman on the header for this show and the podcast header for the show confirms he really makes those Freeman Collection Under Armour quarter zips look good. I mean, he was dialing out there once again. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.